0: This really isn't part of my sermon, but uh, just thinking about my wife and, and and what she's been through, and and thinking about how injury and illness touch us, and and I, I'm sure that there's many people in this room that understand that it's um, how important it is that we stand together and encourage each other, because there are so many... Thank you, son. He's a good kid, isn't he? He's all right. Even though he doesn't think I'm cool anymore, little does he know I never was. That's the thing, you know. When he was five, it was easy to fool him. Do you ever do that one with your kids, where you stand near the light switch when they're little, and you blow at the light, and you turn the light switch off as you do that. Did you ever do that one? You know, you do the, like, that, and you turn it, and your kids think you can blow the lights out, and they, yeah. Ethan finally understood that one last week. I'm kidding. Anyhow, it's going back to my earlier thought, um, which I don't have that many, but I'll share what I have with you. Uh, It it is amazing how um, injury drastic illness and even the loss of someone sometimes can really isolate us from others maybe because people don't know what to say maybe because people don't they feel that they don't have the right words or you know it's 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 it, it's it's awkward sometimes but that is why you know when god says his ways are higher than ours and why God calls us to be knit together as people, to be networked together, God understands what He's doing because, in so doing, friends, we bring healing to each other. You know, God designed it that way. When we evidence God's love and God's mercy and God's concern, it's our job. God laid it on us. And I just. And so proud to be a part of this fellowship in this body because I, I see it here. And I know your your pastor and his wife certainly do. And it really falls down from their leadership, doesn't it? I mean, is there anybody in this room that wouldn't, you know, take their oath or whatever on the fact that Dave and Rhonda McGee care? You know, it, it does. It trickles down from leadership. And uh, I'm excited for that. But that's not even what I'm preaching about this morning. I'm sorry. That was just a thought that, breeze through my head and uh but i want to talk a little bit this morning about opportunity and uh it's not going to be a long sermon Now, not too many amens on that one all right it's not going to be a long sermon but hopefully i have something here to to share what do you do with a bad situation what do you do with a bad situation um I just wanted to talk briefly about opportunity. Now listen, I have a big one here, and it's Psalm chapter 88, the whole thing, the whole thing. Do you mind? No, you don't mind, do you? Somebody somebody said, never mind, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Okay. Um, let, me, let, me read, let me read Psalm chapter 88. Now, I don't actually own a message Bible. I know Pastor does, and he, he preaches from it. I have the message translation up there. I want to read from New King James. It should work together enough that you can understand, or you can turn along in your own, own Bible if it's a closer translation. Psalm chapter 88, and I'm just going to speed read the whole way through it. Are you ready? You get one last drink of water. Here we go. O Lord God of my salvation, I have cried out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to the grave. I am counted with those who go down to the pit. I am like a man who has no strength, adrift among the dead like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more and who are cut off from your hand. You have laid me in the lowest pit, in darkness in the depths. Your wrath lies heavy upon me and You have afflicted me with all Your waves. You have put away my acquaintances far away from me. You have made me an abomination to them. I am shut up and I cannot get out. My eye wastes away because of affliction. Lord, I have called daily upon You. I have stretched out my hands to You. Will You work wonders for the dead? Shall the dead arise and praise You? Shall Your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Or Your faithfulness in place of destruction? shall your wonders be known in the dark and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But to you I have cried out, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Lord, why do you cast off my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I have been afflicted and ready to die from my youth. I suffer your terrors and I am distraught. Your fierce wrath has gone over me. Your terrors have cut me off. They came around me all day long like water. They engulf me altogether. Loved one and friend, you have put far away from me and my acquaintances into darkness. There are times in our lives where situations happen and we feel alone. And we feel alone. And I know we have all felt that. It happens. There's times when young people feel alone, there's times when young adults feel alone. There's times as adults and the elderly, we all have moments when we feel isolation and feel that we are cut off from the rest. Now I'm going to turn somewhere else. And it's the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 8. And I'm going to read some more verses from Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Who is like a wise man? And who knows the interpretation of something? A man's wisdom makes his face shine, and the sternness of his face Changed. Am I on the same thing? Do we have Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 1 through 9, Emma? There we go. You know what? I'm going to read it off up here. There's nothing better than being wise, knowing how to interpret the meaning of life. Wisdom puts light in the eyes and gives gentleness to words and manners. Verse 2 Do what your king commands. You gave a sacred oath of obedience. Don't worrying worryingly that rolls off the tongue second guess your orders or try to back out when the task is unpleasant. You're serving his pleasure, you're serving his pleasure not yours, excuse me. The king has the last word. Who dares to say to him, what are you doing? Carrying out orders won't hurt you a bit. The wise person obeys promptly and accurately. Yes. There's a right time and way for everything, even though, unfortunately, we miss it for the most part. It's true that no one knows what's going to happen or when. Who's around to tell us? No one can control the wind or lock it in a box. No one has any say-so regarding the day of death. No one can stop a battle in its tracks. No one who does evil can be saved by evil. All this I observed as I tried my best to understand all that's going on in this world. And this was what really hit me. As long as men and women had the power to hurt each other, this is the way it is. As long as people have the power to hurt each other, this is the way it is. There is hurt in this life, and we experience moments of hurt, whether it's something that touches us, something that touches a loved one, somebody in our family, a situation in a community, there are times and place where hurt occur. And I didn't mean to get so serious this morning, but this really has been on my heart. And maybe I'm just preaching to myself this morning, I don't know, but hopefully there's something here that we can all gain. It's God's Word and it's powerful enough. Now, Luke chapter 6. I do have a, I do have a plan of attack here. I hope it makes sense. Luke, the sixth chapter, and Emma, I have that for you on the computer. Luke chapter 6. Starting with verse 46. Jesus said, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it For it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Jesus pointed and compared those who listened and those who didn't. And Jesus was talking about people who listened to His words. Okay? Specifically, His teachings. So, in the preceding chapters of, in the preceding, uh, preceding chapter and chapters, uh, we have here, the scenario is Jesus is teaching what we call the Beatitudes. Those who are blessed. The Sermon on the Mount, if you will. His famous sermon that He gave. And Jesus was sharing words. And in the Beatitudes, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was talking about certain things. He was talking about not judging, but being smart. Jesus talked about loving enemies and not being sucked into battles that we have no part of. Jesus talked a lot about weeping and laughing. Okay? There's two shovels today, and I would have brought my spade shovel. But Ethan was doing a task set before him by his mother. And did you ever buy any of those unbreakable tools? you ever buy an unbreakable tool? It's not true. Ethan broke a spade shovel handle that I don't know how. I don't know how he busted it, but he broke a spade shovel handle. And um, anyhow. But there's two shovels that we have. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. Two shovels. And uh, I want to talk first about the if-only shovel. Emma, you got a shovel down back here for me? It's the if-only shovel. Did you ever dig yourself a hole with if-only? If-only I would done this. If-only we would have done that. And we wind up beating ourselves with that shovel. And not only do we stay in the hole that we dig with the if-only shovel, how about if only I had gone to college? If only I would paid more attention in class. If only I had been smarter about a certain thing. If only I hadn't done this. If I hadn't told this lie. If I hadn't shown this pride. If only I would have done more to protect. More to save. We wind up digging ourselves this big giant hole with the if-only shovel. And you can name your if-onlys, and I don't think I'm the only one that's dug the hole with the if-only shovel, okay? Okay. Not only do we that we we dig ourselves a hole with it, but then we reach up with the shovel and start pulling dirt in on ourselves too, with the if only shovel. Um, But now I read Ecclesiastes eight one through nine. Now Emma, I think you have there Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verse seven through twelve. Listen to this. He's talking about the good things that happen to people both good and evil. And, verse 7, how to enjoy the good of this life. Go, eat your bread with joy, and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already accepted your works. Did you hear that? God has already accepted your works. Let your garments always be white, and let your head lack no oil. The idea of white garments being the significance of being clean—clean clean by our own hand, no. Clean because of God, and the idea of the head lacking no oil. Obviously, back then they did not have the salons that we have, and all the uh, what is the professional word? Product, I think. Is that the right word? Huh? Yeah. Impressed, huh? All the all the product. <laughs> you know me. I don't really use a lot of product. Um, Anyhow. (laughs) I'm a little distracted here. They didn't have all the hair care products back in the day. Okay, so washing, you know, I don't know what they did for soap, but about the best shot they had for cleaning their hair was using some kind of oil, usually olive oil or something to clean dirt and dust and all that. Now, we can imagine, we could say, oh, how disgusting that would be, right? Well... Uh, that was the best they had. So that was the idea. The whole idea of being cleansed. And if you, if you remember that, the second part of verse 7, apply it like this, for God has already accepted your works. Listen, there's nothing we do to create our righteousness. The only righteousness we have comes from Jesus. We understand that this morning, right? The only righteousness that I have being made right in God's eyes is not by any works that I have. Because if you stack every good thing I've done it doesn 't amount to a hill of beans, but because of what Jesus has done for me i 'm washed clean and it 's okay all right so verse nine live joyfully with the wife whom you love in all the days of your vain life, which He has given you under the sun now there's a little bit of uh the the writer of Ecclesiastes is a little bit uh snarky here, you know obviously um, in in some of the terms that he in terms that he uses uh, you know in all the days of your vain life which He has given you under the sun, all your days of vanity, for that is your portion in life and in the labor which you perform under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. There is no... Let's keep going. Verse 11. I returned and saw under the sun that the race... Is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. For man also does not know his time, like fish taken in a cruel net, like birds caught in a snare, so the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. We don't know what this life holds. We serve a God in heaven who does? No. But we don't know what this life holds. And so if we dig with a dangerous shovel of if only, we dig ourselves into a pit from which we can't escape. Okay? But I want to talk about one other shovel this morning. Emma, what if? One more shovel. What if? What if we used this phrase as a shovel to dig another type of hole? Okay? Um, Let me ask you a few questions. In Luke 6, Jesus said, The person that hears his words and listens and applies is like the person who does what? Digs down deep? And does what once he's dug deep? He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock and when the flood arose so with adversity in life with trouble with struggle that we face we can either use the if only shovel and destroy ourselves or we can take another shovel and I want to consider for a moment what if okay what if what if we're poor now going back to what Jesus was talking about in, uh, in, in Luke chapter 6 in the Beatitudes. What if we're poor now? What if we're hungry now? Okay? What if I'm hungry now? You know the old saying give a man a fish, he eats for a day. Teach a person to fish, they eat for a lifetime. Okay? The Bible compares it to the analogy of sowing seed. Uh, it was one of Pastor's best sermons, I think. Pastor said, What do we do as Christians? We have seed to sow. What do we do with the seed? We plant it. If we eat it now, what happens? We eat for now, but then we starve. But if we sow our seed and make use of opportunities that God gives us, then we have something to eat later, okay? Now, what if we're hungry now? What if we are mocked and made fun of now? What if we're made fun of for what we believe? Do people do that in the workplace? Make fun of Christians? It happens. Not usually so much overtly as behind someone's back. And Christians can oftentimes be treated as as weak-minded. What about school? How about teens? What about school? Christians get made fun of? You ever get mocked for something you believe? What if we're mocked for something that we profess? A few more what-if Questions. What if we gave it all away right now? Everything we have. What if we didn't judge right now? As Jesus said in in, in the Beatitudes about not judging. What if we loved people who treated us nasty now? What if we did that? Those who talked about us. Those who slandered us. Those who mocked us. What if we loved them now and didn't pass judgment on them? What if we gave now what if we sowed the seed that we have now so what we can do with that shovel is we can either dig ourselves a hole and bury ourselves or we can dig ourselves a hole and start a foundation to build upon that is not going to be wrecked and is not going to be ruined whenever the storm cuts loose that you hear thunder running now and the sun has gone away um Every one of us in this place, I'm sure, at some point has been put in a lonely mindset and allowed ourselves to feel pity, to feel rejection. And it's an honest and valid feeling. But what do we do with that? Okay? So, back to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 7 through 12, he gives us ideas of what to do. We go on and we use the shovel of what if. Okay? So, what if? What if we apply ourselves to opportunities that we have right now? What if? What if it weren't raining and there's no water blowing in, is there? What if? What if we live joyfully in this life that we have? What if we didn't worry about every last thing that we're tempted to worry about, OK? What if we used the shovel and dug a foundation down through the hurts and the disappointments of life to start a foundation that's built on the ideas that set forth by Jesus that he, set, he, he talked about: forgiving, loving, sacrificing, giving, finding healing and living now. You know, it's like, I preached a sermon back a year or two ago, and uh, I don't have, I didn't give Emma the verse, but, uh, but I'm going to read it quick, and then we're going to be done. It's Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. Matthew thirteen forty-four reads a little something like this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. For the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. I don't know if you remember me telling the story about the guy walking through the field and he finds buried treasure and he doesn't want to steal it because he's an honest man. So he buries it again and the Bible says he went and he took, sold everything that he had. Gave it all away. Gave it all up to buy the field so he could have the treasure. And the thing is, he found joy when he was able to give it all away. All the hurt, the resentment, the confusion. And uh, when we're tempted to dig ourselves a hole with the if-only shovel, when we're tempted to do that, resist it, dig the hole, but ask what if. So, really what I wanted to drive at here this morning in this place was, I would like for us to consider in the next few months, asking yourself and asking God and asking each other, what if here in this church? okay? And in your own personal life too. I want you to ask the question, what if? And I'll let you finish the rest of the question. You understand what I'm saying? I want you to think about the question, what if? Don't dig yourself the hole of if only we had done this in this place, or if only we had done that, or if only I had done this. But in this moment, give yourself opportunity and give your God opportunity by asking what if? And how that could apply to this house and to this family. Okay? So let's start digging a hole. But let's not pull the dirt in on ourselves. Let's dig the hole for the foundation. Okay?